0: Everyone, welcome back to Round the Campfire. This is your host, John Green, and today I have with me my friend, and we're just, we're doing in, this is my first time doing this, it's an anonymous podcast, we'll see how this goes, but she's going by Kay, and Kay, how you doing?
1: I'm good. Um, hi, everyone.
0: Um, and so this is your first time, I guess, on a podcast, or doing yes. anything of this sort?
1: Yes, this is my first time, but I'm very excited, and I'm very honored that you even asked me to do this, well, so... <laughs>
0: No, I'm because you opened up to me the other day and told me kind of like about aspects of your life. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like you have a crazy life and I would love to love to talk about it.
1: Yeah. You Um, know, what's funny about that is I sometimes forget that because it's my norm. You know, this is just my life and it's always been my life. And then, um, yeah, it's not something that I really open up a lot to, to people, unless I'm really comfortable with somebody. And, um. You know, I, I, you're like kind of the last person that I really like talk to about this and your reaction. It's just it's always so funny to me, like people's reactions because it's not a normal life. And I forget that sometimes. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: And I guess we should kind of tell people what we're talking about. What do you mean when it's its not a normal life?
1: Um. Well, for one thing, I guess like a big aspect of my life is I was a prostitute or an escort whatever you want to call it um, for many years uh, starting from when I was 17 to when I was I think it was about 26 so yeah that's something that I think that a majority of people don't really understand about that kind of life um, or what goes on behind that or just kind of the details of that I guess
0: yeah and I really wanted to to talk with you about it, because I've had other people on this podcast before, and it's always from a law enforcement perspective or from a legal perspective, like a district attorney or myself as a defense attorney. Um, yeah. I kind and, of hard takes, but I've never actually talked to someone who's in the business on like their take.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that I can say, like my t- takeaway from that experience, because I do think it was an experience, um, is that there are a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of misconceptions about what a prostitute is or like what an escort is. Um, you know, I think it's very much like people think it's very much like the movies. But the way I did it was very, very different than what you would see, you know, on the movie, like in movies or TV shows.
0: So is there a, is there an actual difference between the word like prostitute or escort? Or are they just two words um, the same?
1: Yes and no. So it just kind of depends. So there are like technicalities if you want to say that. So a prostitute is usually somebody who exchanges sex for money, uh, while an escort is usually somebody who can exchange sex for money. But oftentimes they also do, you know, like dinner dates or they might be more like arm candy or more of an emotional it's it's, sometimes it can be more of an emotional aspect. Um, but you know, to me personally, it's the same thing. Um, but I think if you were to like, look up the definition or were to ask like what the actual differences were, I think that that's probably what would come up the most often.
0: So at what age, and you said he started at 17. So do you mind just giving like a brief summary of kind of your childhood and what led up to that moment?
1: Yeah. So I was um, abused in every every way you could possibly think uh, from pretty much the day I was born until basically the age of 17. Um, And, you know, part of that abuse was sexual abuse for many years. And, you know, I'm sure that that played a very, very large role into why I ended up becoming uh, a prostitute, you know, because when you- <laughs> it's not like you're a little girl and you're like, Oh, when I grow up, I want to be a dancer or a prostitute, or like nobody want like grows up thinking they want to do that, and even when you do do that, I don't think you know you really want to do it. Um I was also sex trafficked when I was sixteen uh for about a year, I believe it was, and so um yeah, and that and what do you mean of, by that? Well, I was a runaway when I was 16 and the wrong people got a hold of me. And, you know, the next thing I knew, uh, and obviously they knew I was a runaway and everything. It was pretty obvious. And the next thing I knew, I knew I was being forced to have sex for money. Uh, but I wasn't allowed to leave and I wasn't allowed to keep any of the money. And I was very much being controlled, and the funny part about that is when it first started happening, I did think it was a choice. And I didn't even realize that I was being sex trafficked. Um, so and who, I think,
0: who, oh who were these guys? Like, where did you initially they meet They were
1: them? strangers. Um, I just met them one day when I was out and about. Like I said, I had run away from home. Well, actually, from a mental institute. <laughs> and... Um, You know, they just, it was a woman and her boyfriend and it was really the woman who actually like, she was the brains behind this, you know, whole thing. Um, And because I was pretty scared of men at that time, I felt very safe around her at being a woman, you know, and um, she just kind of pretended like she was going to take care of me and take me in. I had no idea who these people are to this day. I still don't know. I don't even know if I would recognize them, to be honest. Um, You know, they also did things like feed me drugs and stuff. Um, And so, I mean, it makes sense why I didn't really know what was going on. You know, most of the time I was like drunk or, you know, high or something like that. Um, And it wasn't until I tried to leave that uh, when they wouldn't let me. Uh, that I was like, oh shit I'm being sex trafficked right now um, yeah so
0: what what I guess uh, two questions I guess first how did they like bring that subject up to you like how do you bring that up to a 16 year old boy uh,
1: yeah so basically what happened was being that I was homeless at that time and a runaway, I was sleeping on the streets, you know, and at that time I was already having sex with random men uh, that I just would meet so that I could have a bed to sleep in for the night. And that's kind of what I did. And so when I found these people, they had, you know, they got a hotel room um, and I was able to stay with them. So at first I didn't, I didn't do anything uh and then very quickly it was like oh we don't have any money like we spent all our money you know and basically they kind of guilt tripped me into it like kind of brainwashed me into it uh and we're like um pretty much like we need your help essentially right you know so they presented it to me like it was a choice um and at this point i trusted them because you know i i you know, had a place to sleep and they were feeding me and, you know, she seemed like she actually cared about me and was very motherly. It was a very like strange experience to be honest. Um, and so when they presented that to me, I did go along with it. But the thing is, is I was 16. It wasn't consent. You can't consent like that. You know what I mean? Um, I was basically like, um, convinced to do it. Um, yeah, and and you know they did it in such a smooth way, and they did it in such a way they knew what they were doing. This I wasn't the first girl they had done this to, like I truly believe that, um, because they were just too good at it, you know. Right. Um, yeah, and so at first it seemed as if I was willing because I was, I didn't exactly fight it, uh, and then it wasn't until you know. It was every single day and several men, oftentimes these men old enough to be my father and grandfather, um, you know, that I kind of was like, oh, fuck, what is going on here?
0: Right. So at at what point did you make the decision to leave?
1: Well, I tried to leave a couple times and they wouldn't let me Uh, and they would like beat the shit out of me if I tried to leave. And the point when I finally was able to leave and I finally, like, made the, you know, like, okay, this is it, was when they actually tried to get me to recruit another runaway that they found. And it was really weird. It was like, when it came to me, I didn't really care as much, but when it came to this other girl who really wasn't that much younger than me, I think she was 15 and I was 16 at that time, but something in me like a motherly instinct or matronly instinct kind of kicked in. And I was like, Oh hell no, we're not recruiting another girl. Um, and then it was at that point that I kind of came up with a plan uh, and literally ran away from them.
0: So where'd you go after that?
1: I stayed a runaway for a while Uh, met another guy in his 30s who started pimping me out. Um, I really just met the best people.
0: Jeez, Kate.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's something I want to say about that. Um, For a very long time, I blamed a lot of stuff on myself. And I tried not to let these things bother me. But the fact of the matter is, is when you were young like that, at that age, especially as a teenage girl, you were so easily manipulated Oh, 100%. you really truly are yeah and to make matters even worse um as a runaway it is very very obvious when somebody's a runaway you uh, you could go out and walk down the street and you could probably point out some like a girl who's a runaway i mean it's almost like they have this kind of like aura about them you know it's probably like the fear in their eyes i would assume um but because of that, and, you know, because of me being a runaway, I mean, it's not that I made bad decisions. It's that the kind of people that wanted to be around me were only going to be bad people. Um,
0: right. Who definitely didn't care about your best interests. No, they did At the least.
1: Absolutely not. They definitely saw me as either a means or as a possession. You know, so the 38-year-old Uh, definitely saw me as both a means and a possession. Um, I think that he thought it was probably pretty cool that he had like a little 16-year-old girlfriend. Um, You know, mind you, I didn't look 16 at that time. Um, I looked, you know, I mean, I I looked young, but I could have passed for uh, at least legal age. Um, You know, and he also knew. He knew I was in a position where I couldn't say no to him. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, that's a really tough position. <laughs> Sorry, being, I feel especially like that's that super age.
1: heavy. <laughs> no. <and laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it is It is a heavy topic and this is for sure probably one of the heavier topics I've done on a podcast.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: But I, th- I think what you're saying though is 100% right. Like if you're 16 – you're an idiot. Like, you have no idea what's going on in the world. You have
1: no and conception of how the real world works. Yeah. You, you really no, don't.
0: You have absolutely no idea how the world works. And it's extremely easy for someone that age to get taken advantage of, especially when they put you in a position of, oh, you're helping us out. Like, we've been mm-hmm. giving you a room and everything. Um,
1: yeah. It's, and you know That's extremely what? easy to fall into. Exactly. Um and it happens all the time. And to be honest, I am one of the lucky ones. That seems hard to believe. But there are runaway girls out there who go missing and never get found again. Um, and have a lot worse things happen to them than what actually happened to me. And I think that's one of the ways I've been able to really cope with it. Is because I really realize how lucky I was. That, you know... I didn't have something really bad happen to me because I could have and nobody would have known. Because nobody knew where I was at.
0: Right. And but. you know what's crazy in me, Kate? Like <laughs> knowing knowing you for and talking to you for the the length of time that I have,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: seem extremely like well adjusted and extremely <laughs> like almost at, at peace with this.
1: Uh there are definitely sides to me that are not put together. Uh, And there are definitely many aspects of my life that um, have been affected very, very negatively uh, because of, you know, everything that happened. Um, I do think overall, I think you're right. Like, I think I'm a pretty functioning adult. All things considered, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Considering the circumstances and considering, you know, the things that I've been through, um, I've actually done pretty well for myself, uh, which – is more of a fuck you to everyone than it is like i mean really i i literally would tell myself like i'm not going to be another statistic you know because the pot like really the statistics of me succeeding or doing anything meaningful with my life are zero to nil. i mean i mean like little to nil, you know like they really aren't um and but yeah that being said you know you're right i do know that my life is very abnormal um you know when it comes down to it um i think when i say like i forget sometimes i think that's more of a way of my brain protecting me from going absolutely batshit crazy right because i think the mental aspect of everything is what has affected me the most you know because you can heal you can heal from the beatings you can heal from the sexual aspect um anything physical right? But the mind is a lot harder to heal from. And that is what takes years and years and years.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're on a a good path with it.
1: (laughs) I'm attempting to be. But yeah, so that's (laughs) basically, I actually think that that year is what is the biggest factor into why I ended up escorting. Besides- being put in a position where I felt like I had no choice.
0: Then you're talking the year with the 35 year old,
1: or um, the year? It, when well, you that were 16? whole year where I was, yeah. So that that okay. was when I was 16. That all happened, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, being sex trafficked and then being pimped out. Um, and the reason I say that is because I would have never known about that world had it not been for for that year and those experiences. I would have never known what escorting or prostituting was. It would have been a completely foreign thing to me. I would have never known how to go about doing it for myself um, or really what to say and what to do with men, you know? Right. Um, so I do think that that was probably like the biggest thing that led up to why I ended up choosing that life as an adult.
0: So what happened with the 35-year-old? Like how long did that pan out?
1: Um, I don't remember how long. Uh, But I ended up running away from him because he became abusive. Um, So he didn't like. He would do this, and this might be a little TMI, but he would do this really messed up thing where he would pimp me. Before
0: before you continue, my mother Mm -hmm. listens to this podcast. Oh, does she really? Okay, I'm not
1: going to go into detail then because I don't. Yeah, that wouldn't be appropriate. Sorry. Basically, things got. No, you're fine. Basically, things got really rough. Um, and his solution to that, not getting his way, uh, was to be like to start beating me and hitting me. Um, and so I ended up running away from that situation because I didn't know. I did a lot of running away.
0: It sounds like (laughs)
1: literally and metaphorically in my life I've done a lot of running away. Um, but yeah, I ended up turning myself into the police. And it was funny because I'll never forget that day. They told me that I, I was the first runaway they had ever had turned themselves into the police.
0: So what, what made you want to turn yourself in?
1: And how old tired. were you at that point? I was tired. And I was still 16 at this point. I, it was okay. right before my 17th birthday. So I had been a runaway for like a year, I think, about a year. Um, I was just very tired of everything. Um, It was very very hard and you know a matter of a year i went through more shit than most people will go through their whole life um you know i had a lot of really messed up stuff had happened to me uh in between that time i was raped multiple times um nobody loved me like none of those people loved me and that starts to really just you know wear you down and i just was tired and I realized like I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't worth it. I'd rather just take my chances at home. Um than or whatever was waiting for me than to deal with that life anymore. And so that was kind of my ultimate decision as to why I wanted to turn myself in.
0: And so, so how'd that day go when you turn yourself in? Like what what sticks well, out to you?
1: So Okay. Well, so the first thing was, is I had no money for the bus and I didn't know how to ride the bus. Um, and so I just like waited at a bus stop and every time a bus would come by, I'd be like, are you going downtown? Cause I knew the police station was downtown. And if I could get downtown, I could figure out a way to get there. And I also remember it was still dark outside. So I think it was like five o'clock in the morning because I was running away from this guy. And so I was leaving very, very early and I did I left while he was asleep. Um, and I remember finally there was a bus that went downtown and the bus driver was annoyed with me because I didn't have any money. And I just told him, I was like, I'm turning myself into the police, please. I need to get downtown. I don't have money. And so I think you could tell I was really young and really scared probably. And by that point, <laughs> I'm sure that I looked like a mess I'm sure I had a certain look about me. So I went downtown and I don't really really remember much of the bus ride. I think that I kind of probably disassociate disassociated from the circumstances. And I and I remember feeling very calm, like I wasn't scared. I was very calm. You know, like I had a plan. You know, anything would be better than the life I'd been living. Um, yeah, and I made my way. I figured out how to get to the police station. I walked inside and I was like, I'm so and so. I'm a runaway from, you know, the mental hospital. Um, and I'm here to turn myself in. And they were like, uh, What? They were confused. I remember them being very confused. And they're like, When did you run away? And I was like, uh, About a year ago. And they and they just asked me like a bunch of questions, and they took me to the back. Um, I I don't think they like handcuffed me or anything like that. Um, I, mainly, they were confused, which I found to be kind of comical. Um, <laughs> What's that? I mean, well, it's almost like they didn't know what to do with me, right? You know, because they were like, "Well, protocol is we're supposed to handcuff you, but like you're turning yourself in." You're underage and you're very clearly not like okay right now. Um, And also, I just think that I was so calm. You know, I didn't talk much besides if they asked me questions, I answered their questions. Um, You know, so it was just a very like peculiar just kind of situation, I think.
0: Yeah, well, I think so. (laughs) <laughs> so did you, did you go back home after that
1: i did go back home um shortly i actually ended up leaving again i think it was about a week after i turned 17 my mother was not a good person to be around and in the state of texas you can legally leave at the age of 17 and the cops can't like bring you back yeah yeah Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. I had a lot of problems with my mom for a really long time. Um, still kind of do honestly. Um, some hidden stuff, but yeah, I ended up going back home and realized it was as horrible as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) So I hitched a ride with some random dude. Um, yeah. To the city that I ended up living in for like seven years. I was like, fuck it. I. Got my check, cashed it, got all the money from it and said, all right, I'm heading out.
0: Man, that's that's scary.
1: Yeah. you know, I was very spontaneous back then and I very much had little – I had so little control over my life for so many years for for my whole life that I didn't feel scared to do all of these very impulsive things because the way that my brain worked back then – and it's kind of different now, but the way I thought back then was – Okay, well, if I'm unhappy with my life, only I can change it. And the only way that is going to change is if I do something about it. I think um, that's
0: a very good mindset to have.
1: Yeah, I think that it's helped me out a lot in life, actually, because it's made me a very much like a go-getter and not afraid of things. Um, but yeah, I wasn't happy. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and nobody can stop me mm-hmm. legally. Yeah,
0: shoot. So where, where'd you go from there? <laughs>
1: I went to San Antonio.
0: Okay. And you stayed there for seven years?
1: I think it was about seven years.
0: Gotcha. And um, at what point did you get into like escorting after that?
1: So I transferred my job uh, there and I stayed with this random guy that I met on the internet and he was much older And I say much older. So he was probably like in his 30s. So to a 17 year old, you know, that seems, yeah, yeah, that's much older. He seemed like a very nice guy. He told me he had a girlfriend. I said, hey, I just need like a room to crash in. I can pay you rent, yada, yada. And I should have known the situation was very like strange and it was not going to work out for me. Um, But I'm 17, you know, I don't think my frontal lobe has quite developed at yep, that time. young and dumb. And, yeah, exactly. And I'm also very much still in survival mode. Yeah. You know, at this point of my life. Um so I ended up staying with him, and of course that didn't work out. He used to try to get into my room at night. Luckily I would lock the door um because he wanted to do stuff with me. Um so not my proudest <laughs> Not my proudest moment, but I had, like, one of the only friends I knew at that time. I think I only knew, like, two people in San Antonio. Um, I decided to leave because he was being a pervert, and I also made it quite clear to him, like, hey, I'm 17. Like, this is really messed up. Um, and he wouldn't stop doing that, and he did have a girlfriend, and he would do the stuff behind his girlfriend's back. So, again, let, let's remember I was 17. I had one of the guys that I was like friends with uh, rob him when I left. Um, and that's not my proudest moment, but that was kind of my like, fuck you for being a pervert. Maybe you'll think twice.
0: Dang. I see, yeah, I, I a had a lot of anger. Got <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I had a lot of anger. At that point, I ended up staying with the only other person I knew, a friend. The problem with this is this friend was um, in love with me, and I was not in love with him. And I think that he thought I would come to that, you know, conclusion at some point. I just needed time. Right. But I, I didn't. You just I didn't love it? him. Mm-mm. I didn't love anybody. It wouldn't be until many, many years. It, the first time I ever actually like really loved somebody, I was twenty-two. So, yeah, it wouldn't be. For a very long time. I wasn't capable of loving anybody. Um, so he ended up kicking me out. Um, I became homeless. And I tried figuring it out on my own. And at that point, I decided to go to escorting.
0: Wait, so the guy w- the guy was pretty much saying, date me. And then you said no, and then he kicked you out?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: want a swell guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean – yeah, and unfortunately, that was most of my experiences with most of the guys that I encountered for a very long time. Um, they just wanted something from me. Like, n- like most guys didn't seem to just want to be okay with being my friend, you know? Right. Um, I was very much just an object. At least that's how I felt. Um, and... <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I often wonder if I – and this is going to sound really like – I'm not trying to brag. This is going to sound super shallow. I often wonder, though, if I looked differently, if I would have experienced different things when it came to guys. How so? (laughs) Again, this is going to sound kind of
0: You're talking like if if you were ugly, if if you would – Yeah, if I was less attractive.
1: Yeah, I I, I do often think that because I think – I think in general people find me attractive, and I think that that's oftentimes all they would see for a very long time, um, or at least the first thing they would well, see.
0: Well, I, I would like to say probably, but at the same time, I don't know. You know, men are kind of dogs, so maybe
1: not. <laughs> this is true. This is actually this is true. Yeah. Um, But no, yeah, so I became homeless and, you know, I was doing things like sleeping in the park on benches and, you know, like trying to get people to buy me food and stuff like that. Um, And that quickly got old. And yeah, so I ended up using my phone and the resources that I knew. And I went to escorting, prostituting, whatever you want to call it.
0: And how... And so at this time – and mm-hmm. I guess if you can just give us an overview because you
1: – Yeah. I guess
0: there's pimps twice now.
1: Mm-hmm. And – This time I did not have a pimp and I would never have a pimp again it, or anything like that. It was all of my own.
0: Okay, and Why I, would you never have a – just for everyone oh, else, why would because, you never have a pimp again?
1: So it's actually very dangerous. Um. I don't I didn't want to be owned by somebody you're owned by them and you have to do what they want and you have to give them your money but you're doing all of the work and for what they say they'll keep you safe right from who from the you know from the guys okay but then they just turn around and will beat the shit out of you anyways right there's no such thing as a good pimp it doesn't exist. And if you're going to do something like this as an adult, if you're going to sell your body or your time or whatever you want to do, it is always better just to do it on your own. And there are very safe ways to do it. Well, safe as can be ways, I should say.
0: So how did you go about just doing that on your own?
1: Yeah. So I started off doing it in a way that actually wasn't safe. Um, There is this app. And I don't know if I can say that app or uh, yeah, not. Yeah, don't
0: say that. The yeah. Own. There's Podcast. an
1: app that is an app where you can get drugs and you can get escorts if you want. And you can get pretty much anything that you want to get. You can, you can do that. And it's just people who are looking for it and people who are selling things. And that's how they communicate. And so I started doing that. Um, and it wasn't very safe and it wasn't very classy. Uh, but that's what I knew how to do at that time. Uh, And then from there, I met up with, you know, some of my clients and I always refer to them as my clients. Um, You know, they told me about this other site, an escorting site, and it was a lot safer. You could verify your clients. You could screen them as in you don't have to like see some if you don't want to. Um, You can charge a lot more and it's just a classier kind of site. So I was able to go onto that site and that is the site that I remained on for pretty much all of those seven years. Or however long that was.
0: Do you think you like the clientele was just safer because because they're vetted, they didn't want to do anything kind of crazy? Is that what it was? Or do you Um, think they're just kind of I
1: think there were a number of reasons. You know, you've got this platform. And this platform, the only purpose of this platform is to connect clients and prostitutes. Um, On top of that, you've got what's called references. Uh, So basically, you know, the clients have to have these references of girls they've seen. And you message these girls that have seen them and you ask whatever questions you want to ask them. You know, and some of it can be very vague. Some of it can be more detailed. It just kind of depends on what you want. And do you do that-
0: uh, sorry to interrupt. Do you do that no, to good. like make sure they're not cops, or do you do, do you do that to make, to make sure, sure they're, they're,
1: they're not cops? To make sure crazy, they're the kind of guy, yeah, the type of guy you want to see. To make sure they're not crazy. Um, I mean, there is like a, a number, a million reasons, um, and like I had specific criteria that I stuck to. Uh, that may have not necessarily been the same criteria that you know the next girl would have stuck to. Everybody was different in that. But manner. what do you
0: mean by that criteria?
1: Um, so I didn't like to see young guys. Um, oftentimes I didn't like to see guys that didn't have good hygiene Mm -hmm. or that lasted the whole time. You know, I, I made an art of, you know, I was more than just in my, in my mind and what at least I presented, I was more than just, you don't just come here and, you know, do things with me. We're going to have a glass of wine together and we're going to sit down and most of it's going to be us chatting. And I'm more of a companion than I am, you know, a prostitute. And that is how I presented myself. Um,
0: so you're, you're selling more than I guess, or you sold, I guess more than just sex. It was, Oh, absolutely.
1: I guess more of an it's intimate an experiment. girlfriend
0: experience kind of thing. Yes, okay. exactly.
1: And that was actually what it was called. The girlfriend experience experience. <laughs> so there's like different things that are called different, you know, things depending on what you offer. And that's what I offered because that's what I was good at. And because that's what was the easiest for me, at least.
0: You know, what's weird. I've been on at least, I think three or four prostitution stings on the law enforcement side. And it's all obviously completely different than this because there, mm-hmm. there is no one, you know, out there posting stuff. I so said, this is, I, I think this is super cool to see this from just a fresh, Perspective.
1: It is. It is honestly so cool, um, and I say that because it's a whole different realm of the world that most people don't know about. And actually, there's a name for it. It's referred to as the hobby. That's the what. Hmm. That's what this is called. It's called the hobby. Um, like this part of the world, I guess, or whatever. Um, it's a whole system. It's a whole ecosystem. Like it, it really is. It is done a certain way. There are rules set into place. I mean, it, it, it's, it's very interesting. And it, I think it would be very bizarre and very foreign to somebody who has no idea what, has never even like heard of stuff like this.
0: Uh, so what do you mean rules that are set in place? What kind of rules?
1: Okay. Like, for example, um, you don't talk about this to people. Unless they're a part of it or unless you know, like, you know, that they're never going to tell anybody. Um, they would have these get togethers once a month and I never went to them because I didn't think it was smart, nor did I think it was safe, uh, nor did I need to. It was more of a, um, you know, like like uh, the escorts would meet up and then the clients would meet up and they would all go to some you know, event or something or whatever, and you could never talk. You don't talk about it. You don't talk about the hobby, but it was a way to kind of like market yourself so that clients could see the girls, and the girls could see the clients, and kind of make
0: interesting. You
1: know, yeah, I never did that though. In fact, I thought it was <laughs> to this day. I still think it is a very stupid idea. I like not <laughs> why. why is that? What's not safe, and it'll never be safe. And in fact, they got raided one time, oh, and really? luckily. Yeah, luckily they all got off scot free though, because you know, there were tons of there's tons of lawyers there, very very good lawyers, um, who can get you off on stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I I mean you would not believe some some oh, of the I, people that trust me.
0: I don't have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I mean you, you know how I think there's like this I or I think people know this. I mean the big wigs of the of the city and of cities in general they're on this site. I saw so many people that I would have never come across in real life. You know. Right. It's 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 wild. <laughs> and so
0: these um so they would just go to these events though and just meet mm-hmm. each other and kind of market face to face. Have a fun time?
1: Them. Yeah, okay, exactly, yeah, just and hang have out, a fun kinda... time. Yeah, okay. it's it's more like a hangout, you know, and there was no pressure or anything like that. And, you know, like I said, you couldn't even talk about the hobby because it's in a public location. Um, but the reason why also it was kind of stupid is it's very obvious what it was. Really? Why are there so many? Yeah, because you've got a lot it's of- A
0: ton of older men with a lot of younger a, women. A
1: ton. Yeah. Like, come on. There's <laughs> only one thing that that could be. Yeah. You know, and also the thing is, is if you were- any of the girls that were kind of at the top, you didn't go to these events. You didn't take that chance. I
0: guess you knew better just in case.
1: Well, you didn't need to do it and it wasn't worth the risk. You know, I think it was for more of the girls maybe that were starting off or maybe some of the girls that weren't like as wanted, as sought after.
0: Gotcha. To get some face-to-face time. Kind of build a rapport. Okay. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um,
0: um, so how how did that? How was that life? I guess compared to having a pimp, not having it, and just how how was it so in general?
1: I'll be honest. I actually loved being an escort. Really? Oh yeah. Um, I made more money there than I would probably ever make in my life. Um, it allowed me a certain freedom to my life that a regular job couldn't have let me. It's allowed me to travel, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, it allowed me to go to college and support myself financially. It allowed me to support my family for a little while, so financially, which I could have never done. I mean, there's something to be said about the money that is made from there. That being said, towards the end, when I was you know, not wanting to do that anymore, it became something that I really didn't enjoy because it became a chore right um, but it's really hard to get out of that lifestyle people just think why didn't you just stop or why don't you just stop well I wanted to many times but the money and the and just the thrill of it and you also have to remember that for the most part at least with me I mean I may as well just been a queen to these guys I mean they worshiped like the ground that I walked on you know and that is an addictive feeling. You know, and especially when it came to dating, like guys my age, none of them treated me as well as these men did.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see how that would, um, after you become accustomed to that, it's definitely not something you would want to give up.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about that, and I think my situation is even a little bit more different from a lot of these girls because I was like probably like top five escorts in the city. I was one of the most sought after i'll say top 10 because i don't really know like the exacts i was one of the most sought after escorts though for the san antonio austin area um, yeah. and i was considered uh I, I believe it's called like a high class because of the amount that i charged and because of like what i offered
0: and and i mean what you're saying is there's a there's a lot to be said about the money um mm-hmm. that's made and i yes. mean I'm, I'm sure you made a absolute ton of money. Um, But I really do think you're the exception to to get out and have your head on your shoulders kind of straight.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I was already an exception. One of the reasons why I did so well um, is because I was very educated you know, I went to school. I could have, you know, these educated like conversations. I could talk about anything. And that was the key being able to talk about anything, being able to relate to every single guy that came my way and being able to know exactly what they wanted without them necessarily ha- having to tell me that. Um, and that is what a lot of these men liked about me because a lot of these, majority of the women that did this, they're not educated. And I'm not saying there's anything bad with that, but a lot of these men. You know, the ones that pay the big money, they want to be able to talk also, you know? a um, lot a lot of them were on drugs, like heavy drugs, and we're doing this to support that. Well, most of the guys who are willing to pay big money, they don't want they don't want to hire a crackhead. Like, I don't know any other way to put that. But hey, fair you enough. know, yeah. On top of that, I do think that I was probably one of the prettier girls that did this because, you know. It's just not something that most people do, you know, um, young, excited about life, educated. I mean, I just think that, yeah, I, I think even by means of that world, I still, you know, I definitely think that I still was kind of an anomaly. And I do think the fact that I got out of it um, when I did, I mean, I knew it was going to be a matter of time. I just had to get to that point.
0: And what do you think – and I guess before we get to that point, um, Mm -hmm. when we had talked about this at first kind of before the podcast, you mentioned that you had a book.
1: I am writing a book actually. Uh, Right before I came onto this podcast, I was actually working on it.
0: Uh, Oh, I I also want to talk about that, but I I meant the the book that you had with uh, clients in it. That, oh kind of that one. What, yeah. But I do want to <laughs> circle around to the book. Can we finish yeah. off with that? Do you mind?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I do. I have a Excel spreadsheet that has all of the clients that I saw over the last over that time frame. Um, and I I thought that I had lost it and I found it. Um, and it has everything. So my my the Excel spreadsheet was set up as a safety measure for myself. And for other reasons. It had the date that I would see somebody, it had the length of time, what I charged them, their username plus their real name, plus their number like just whatever um that was relevant to them. And then it had a summary of the experience. Whether it and then it also had so if it was highlighted in red, that was bad and I was to not see them again for whatever reason. Right. And then I think if it was highlighted or if it was like blue or green if it was a different color, maybe black, then it was fine. Um And in that way, I also would write about things that we would talk about. And the reason I would do this is so I know, you know, because, you know, these clients, that would be very impressed if you remembered stuff about them. Because that shows them like, oh, they stand out to you. You don't see a lot of clients maybe or like whatever. It just makes them feel like. Right. Like, oh, she was
0: listening. She paid attention.
1: Exactly. And some stuff I would remember because some of them were very memorable But I couldn't remember everything. And so I would go and I would look and I would just control F, you know, their name or whatever, username, whatever it was. And I would look at what we talked about last time or what we did last time. Um, And sometimes I would go to other times before that. And that's how, you know, when they came up, I'd be like, oh, so how's your daughter doing? Or, you know, things like that. Or like, how's the new job? You know, I, I would be able to talk to them. And it would also help because it would take up more time in the hour. You know, if you kept these men talking that's less time that you have to do stuff if you have to do anything at all.
0: So how often would you, like would people just want to talk? What percentage would you say that is?
1: Um, more often than you would think. Really? I'd say, oh yeah. Um, if you know what you're doing kind of, you know, and it depends on, again, the clientele. Um, I'd say probably about, honestly, like 50%. Well,
0: that's a lot higher than that I was thinking.
1: hmm Now, if you ask someone else that, they're going to give you a different percentage. You know, it's going to be different. Right. So for this
0: everyone. is just you with your clients is around 50%. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I mean that wasn't like right away. But when I really really got into it, when I really perfected it, which was probably like 2 years into it, uh 2 or 3 years maybe. Um you know, at that point. Yeah. When I was able to be picky about who I saw and stuff like that. um, Yeah. I would always choose the clients that were just okay with going out to dinner or just hanging out or, you know, they needed a plus one somewhere.
0: Okay. So you just kind of got away from the sex part altogether. I I tried
1: to for the most part. Yeah. There was definitely, there were definitely, um, times when it was unavoidable because, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, I mean, we have an agreement. It's like an unspoken agreement, you know? Right. Um, oh, that was another thing. You never said how much for an hour. You always referred to how many roses.
0: Oh, that that's means how much for an hour?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one rose would be like 100. You know, 10 roses would be like 1,000. Like Oh, shoot. Like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was lingo like that. It, that's another thing. There was a whole – like vocabulary uh that everybody knew and you just either you just kind of learned it over time. But yeah, and it was to kind of help protect and so we're not saying things outright and there's not really any sort of proof.
0: So if there's if there's a guy who's I guess being I guess violent or is abusive or kind of robs Mm -hmm. someone or like does that I'm assuming y'all have some sort of forum or something? Like how does that work? Do you all tell each other?
1: (laughs) So Yeah, absolutely. And that's what references are for. That's why we make sure a guy has references. Um, But unfortunately, even if a guy has references and has never been a problem before, he can have that one time where he is a problem. And at that point, we can't exactly go to the cops, right? right? Um, So what we do is the girls have a secret forum and the guys have a secret forum um, on this site. And um, you go in there and you basically put in the username and the experience and other girls can comment and be like, yeah, I had this experience or, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to see him again. And that is what helps keep us women safe in that community. And the men do the same thing for, you know, the women.
0: In men like male prostitutes.
1: No, uh, on this site there were no male prostitutes. Oh um, you, No, they would do it like- if they saw a girl that they felt like ripped them off or robbed them. Or- gotcha. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it worked both ways. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how, you know, that was like the best way to keep safe. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that stuff didn't happen. It is a very dangerous, it can be a very dangerous, you know, you set in place all of the right rules and and safety things and you can still have stuff happen to you, unfortunately.
0: So um, do you have any recourse at that point? Obviously not legally. I mean,
1: the, not really. The only thing you can do is just, you know, put it on the forum and hope that it saves another girl. Um, if it's something that's really bad or a lot of girls, you know, have bad experiences with them, they do get kicked off the site. But the thing about that is they can just make a new profile.
0: Right. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't really solve anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Like there was one guy in particular who's very, very dangerous. And I luckily never came into contact with him. I just got kind of lucky. Um but that's what he would do. He would make new profile after new profile.
0: And what would he do to, to these girls?
1: He didn't like to pay them. So he – so the that's another rule, right? But again, not really a spoken rule. You get your money first. You get the money first, and while the guy is taking a shower or in the other room, you go and you hide that money somewhere and you count it. Um. And some girls just wouldn't do that. It's not a very smart thing to do. Uh, it's the easiest way to be ripped off. So he would leave money at the end. Maybe like he would leave way less though, right? Or he just wouldn't leave any and he would just leave.
0: Man, so he'd rip you all off.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the girls did it too. There were girls who did it too.
0: How did the girls rip someone off? Just take the money and leave.
1: Yeah, just take the money and leave or not give the guy what was agreed upon before, Um, you know, things like that. Cut the time short. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do think the the chicks were less likely to rip off men because, I mean, this is their living we're talking about. Right, they
0: have their reputation on the line.
1: And their reputation. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely don't want your reputation to be destroyed because your options, if you're not on a site like this, are pretty bleak if you do want to do this. You know? Yeah. Oh, I guess there's a third category I didn't think about streetwalkers.
0: Yeah. You know, that's so, yeah, that's what he talked about. I had a podcast with my buddy, we'll call mm-hmm. him Officer Ethan. Um, and he was talking about streetwalkers out in the city he works at because uh, he's a cop. So, he's he's kind of describing that, but were you you ever involved with that at all?
1: No, I was never. That was something that I stayed far away from. It's just too unpredictable and way, way too dangerous. And also, I think that's probably one of the most, like, the easiest ways that you can get caught. Because I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of the undercover cops do it.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one of the methods.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just too unpredictable. You know,
0: yeah, th- that that definitely seems like the most unpredictable out of all of this.
1: Absolutely, I agree.
0: Um, so that's so, why
1: I avoided that.
0: Yeah, well, I <laughs> can't blame you for that. <laughs> um, So you were saying you got kind of out of sex near the end of it. And what mm-hmm. will cause you to just kind of cut that off entirely?
1: Um, I got married. So I pretty much needed somebody to get me out of that lifestyle. And when I got married, I – You know, he said, I'd never have to do that again. And he's held true to that. And that's kind of what I needed. I I knew it was going to more than likely be a guy that came along and kind of rescued me, which makes me sound like a damsel in distress. (laughs) But I mean, essentially, yeah, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. And I knew I didn't have any good enough reason to stop. Um, You know, so that's pretty much how I got out of that.
0: Well, I'm glad you're out of it and i I definitely think you're the exception, so yeah, I'm glad you're out, okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, me too, for sure um, so, that lifestyle's not sustainable by any means
0: yeah i I definitely don't think so either, um, but mm-hmm. looking back on it, what's Because you i mean you've had a crazy life, um so what's yeah. like what what's your take where do you go from here? and you said you're writing that that book? Um. So, I guess what's yeah. that? What's that about? When do you plan on putting that out? And um, kind of so I'm step? writing
1: a novel, and I'm hoping to get it out. I mean, I'm hoping to finish it in the next couple of months, uh, because it is a novel, so it is going to be kind of lengthy. Right. Um, and that is going to be loosely based, probably more a lot based on my life story, but it's not a memoir. I didn't want to do a memoir because I don't want. I want it to be written as fiction. And it's also a combination of some of my friends' experiences, too. You know, like one of my best friends is a dancer, um, and she's told me some crazy, crazy stories. And so I'm incorporating that, too. Um, But the reason I want to write this is because, like I said, I do think that this life that I've lived and, you know, the whole escorting um, just life, I guess, is so very unknown to so many people. And I really just want it to kind of come to light. I want people to know about that because like I said, I think there's so many different misconceptions about it. And it's really not the way that people think. Um and I just want it to be this just like transparent thing that people can read. I also think why I wanna do this too is because I wanna help other people who have had similar lives, a, a similar life to mine, whether it's an abusive childhood or escorting or you know an addiction problem. Um, I want it, it can be a very isolating life. I have oftentimes felt very alone and isolated, um, and I just think it's very helpful for other people to know like you're not alone. Um, and that you can come out of this kind of life and you can come out of the things that have happened to you or the decisions you've made yourself. Um, and you can come out on top, um, that there is a happiness that you can obtain.
0: Man. And that is, I guess, a great place to leave it. Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Um, really enjoyed talking to you about this and getting, like, like I said, a really fresh new perspective that. I really haven't sat down and had this conversation with someone before. So yeah, thanks a yeah. ton for doing this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been honestly really great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do it um, again and maybe get some law enforcement in here and maybe a, a lawyer too. I would
1: love that. <laughs>
0: all right. Everyone else, thank you guys for joining in. This is Around the Campfire. Once again, I'm your host, John Green. If y'all have any questions or topics, email us at askroundthecampfire at gmail.com. We'll be sure to get back to you. But all right, y'all. Until next time, it's good talking to you.